0: So sit tight, buckle up, and let's get started on today's podcast. Welcome to today's podcast with our expert, Andrew Hall. Andrew consults with individuals to maximize their career and sporting performance through nutrition guidance. He is an accredited sports dietitian and exercise scientist who works with a range of individuals from recreational to elite athletes. Andrew also currently consults with the Brisbane Bonkers rugby league team, the Brisbane Bullets, Basketball team and the Brisbane Bandits, the baseball team. With a particular interest relating to injury management and nutrition, Andrew focuses on muscle loss mitigation, tendons and inflammation, and optimizes body composition for health and performance, including muscle gain and fat loss. On today's podcast, Andrew and I chat about nutrition for injury prevention, management, and recovery. We chat about what a day in the life of a sports dietitian looks like, tips for preventing and recovering from injury from a nutrition perspective, tips to speed up recovery with regards to nutrition, tips to maintain muscle mass and avoid unwanted fat gain whilst injured, and also the latest research in sports nutrition. Andrew gives us insight into the differing needs of some athletes, from footballers to basketballers to everyday athletes or our weekend warriors. In next week's podcast, Andrew and I will discuss supplementation, post-workout nutrition, pre-workout nutrition, whether it's best to train faster or with fuel on board, how to adjust for rest days, how to adjust nutrition for injury, and the three R's, how to refuel, rebuild, and rehydrate. So stay tuned for next week's podcast, but today, let's jump straight into today's episode on injury management, prevention, and recovery. And make sure you guys head on over and give Andrew a follow on his Instagram at Andrew Hall Dietitian. Welcome, Andrew, to the podcast today. I'm very excited to have you on chatting all things sports nutrition, injury prevention, management, and recovery.
1: Thanks, Leanne. Thanks for having me on.
0: Well, let us um, chat firstly and tell our listeners about your journey into becoming um, a sports dietitian and why nutrition and why the field of sports nutrition in particular?
1: Uh, I guess it came from uh, when I was a a young guy um, playing sport, a bunch of different sports, and then got serious about basketball and just sort of wanted to learn about um, all the things that I could control as an athlete um, and, and try and do my absolute best in those areas. So I knew I started to realize that nutrition was one of those areas. And then when I started, um, I guess, looking into it and studying it a bit more, it was just like one of those moments where you find something that you really, really enjoy. Um, I remember sitting in sports science and uh, really loving the content um, probably more than um, a lot of people around me. So I think from then on, I've just sort of chased exercise science and sports nutrition and, um, yeah, continue to love learning everything in that field.
0: Mm-hmm. So you think you always knew you wanted to do sports nutrition from those very early sort of lecture days at the beginning of uni?
1: Yeah. Um, when when I was in grade nine, we had uh, an athlete development program and every Monday night we'd have three hours. So the first hour would be strength and conditioning. The second hour would be like um, fitness and skills. And then the third hour would be, um, I guess, sports science principles. And I just loved going to those things. Um, so I guess from there, I just sort of knew that it was a big interest to me and always enjoyed um, sitting down to learn about it. Love it I can't say that for all topics in life but um, definitely this one <laughs>
0: Well, you weren't a fan of chemistry and biochemistry at uni?
1: Oh, they were necessary evils. I had to get through them, but yeah, they were a challenge, but they were good. Obviously important to know.
0: Now, how did you get into working more at an elite level in sports? So you're one of the big sports dietitians in terms of some of the big Brisbane-based teams as well. So how did you sort of take up those extra couple of steps and get to working with those big guys?
1: I guess it, w- it was a progression of things. Um so after my undergrad degree, I did a year of sports nutrition research in, in an honours program, which helped um, get a couple of uh, paper out in that regard. And then when I moved to Brisbane to do the master's, I kind of just reached out to all the sports dietitians around and asked to volunteer and went along to Sports Dietitians Australia meetings to, um, to know, learn and, and hear how those um, people were, were communicating and um, what they were doing. And then, I guess, from volunteer roles, um, learnt more and just kept going in that space and just kept, kept pushing.
0: Consistency, hey?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: Now, you mentioned um, a bit of research in sports nutrition. Can you tell our listeners a little bit more about the project that you did there?
1: Um, so, it was back in 2011. And essentially, what I did was got a bunch of um, highly trained cyclists into the lab and they, would, they did two and a half hours of very intense exercise It was designed to sort of deplete their mu- muscle glycogen. Then they had a four-hour recovery window, and then they did a time trial. So essentially, uh, what we did was um, manipulated what was in that drink that they were having during that first two and a half hour training session um, by using a typical sports drink, but adding some protein in it to see if that had any effect on recovery um, at that time. And in, in performance with that time trial,
0: mm-hmm. and what were the sort of results from that?
1: Um, so we found that those who had the protein um, did perform the, the time trial a little bit faster, and there was also um, less sort of uh, muscle damage markers in the blood, so less neutrophils in the in the blood samples that we took um, at the end of that that time trial as well. So it was um, an honors. Research project, so it wasn't like a big. um, I think I had about twelve subjects in there, so Mm. definitely needs to be to be replicated, and I'd probably do things a little bit differently. But um, it was a really good insight into uh, how to do research, what it took. Um, Yeah, lots of time in the lab, lots of learning about statistics and all that sort of thing. So that and um, communicating with athletes, I guess, was a really important phase in my career.
0: Sounds great. And so I guess the moral of the story is protein is very report- important for recovery, which we will get into later, won't we?
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. We'll circle back to that one.
0: <laughs> now, I'd love to tell our listeners, if anyone at home is listening and is curious about nutrition or super interested in the in the field of sports nutrition or being a sports dietitian, what does a typical day in the shoes look like? Because I know that you're juggling a number of different things at the moment. You're super, super busy. So could you give our listeners a run through of a typical day um, in your shoes?
1: Yeah, a typical day is a little bit hard. So um, I might just go through a week if if that's okay. Uh, I spend yeah, of course, th- three days a week running health programs and in workplaces. So I work for for a company that um, runs health programs and I'll go into individual businesses and be their health program guy. So that might be having one, one-on-one consultations around um, exercise, sleep, s- stress management, um, obviously nutrition, whether that be to get stronger, faster, um, reduce body fat, those sorts of things. I take things like blood pressure, cholesterol. So that's really using my um, exercise science degree and my nutrition degree. Uh, we'll do monthly presentations and monthly themes as well. Um, then one of my other roles is at the Brisbane Broncos, which is an NRL side. That's about two, three-quarter days um, in season, and then I'll go along to home games as well. So that involves me um, liaising with all the catering, working with other businesses to make sure that all the food that we provide to the players is ticking all the boxes, that they're enjoying the flavours, um, that it's all safe to eat, chatting to athletes, working with them, educating them on, on what they need to do to prepare as an athlete and to to make sure that they're getting the most out of their strength and conditioning and their field sessions, making sure that they're alert and concentrating when the coach is talking to them, um, you know, hydration and that sort of thing as well. I do stuff with the Brisbane Bullets, which is an NBL basketball team. Similar sorts of roles there, not as many days on. That's just sort of in between when I can fit it in. I'll go in and I was in there yesterday just sort of catching up with all the players, um, doing some skim folds on some of the players, um, educating them about um, some supplements that um, the the team had just sort of got a new deal with. So that was new to the club and educating everyone there. I do um, private practice clinic as well. So that is involved, people coming in and chatting one-on-one and working with individual athletes, whether that be, um, you know, not a lot of exercise to ultra marathons, multi-day triathlons, these sorts of things. So um, that's probably what a typical week looks like, yeah.
0: Yeah, sounds manic. I don't know how you juggle it all. (laughs) Remember which hat you're supposed to be wearing.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm getting better at the organisation. but. Yeah, it's a good variety. Uh, I enjoy no week is the same by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah,
0: and would you say that sort of, um, I guess, variety is typical from a sports dietitian?
1: Yes. So uh, there aren't a lot of sports dietitians in Australia that I know of that will have one full-time job in sports nutrition. Generally, you'll find that Mm -hmm. due to the nature of the industry, um, uh, not a lot of companies or teams um, will have a sports dietitian there full-time, so it's quite often juggling. It might be a a bunch of different teams. It might be working a couple of days in an institute and then maybe um, some corporate health, um, Mm -hmm. which seems to be a little bit more trending at the moment. So, um, yeah, there aren't a lot of full-time. There's some researchers and things like that as well.
0: Now, how do the nutritional requirements differ from your basketballers to your NRL players?
1: The NRL players need to be bigger bodies. Um, there's a lot of physical um, impact, so obviously cl- clashing into each other, wrestling mm. um, on the ground, trying to get up. A lot of lot of um, power, so they need a lot of. what well, it helps to have a lot of a lot of weight um, behind them without sort of influencing their running biomechanics too much. Um, so. You know, with any team, you have a variety of people that you really need to get out to eat more, and you have some that you need to try and get them to eat a little bit less. So that's pretty common with with all sports teams, but just their frame just needs to be needs to be bigger, essentially. So um, their gym workouts are, are different, um, and they probably they have a couple of days off per week because their body needs to, the bodies need to recover from that high-impact stuff, whereas the basketballers um, are doing probably more days per week but not as much um, impact from collision. So similar concepts but mm-hmm. essentially similar concepts um, except the NRL guys, their games um, go for a bit longer. Um, so a bit more importance on hydration and fueling within, within that time. Basketball is very intense, but over um, in a short period of time, so it's only forty minutes total time play.
0: Mm, and they seem to sub on um, a little bit more quicker, don't they? In basketball, yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot more stoppages. Uh, so you've got your timeouts and your stoppages and those subs that can happen. So they have much more access to to f- um, food and fluids on the on the sideline, whereas the NRL guys, you know, some of them will go out and play eighty minutes um, and not have any subs. Mm,
0: Yeah, pretty hardcore. I don't think I could run up and down wrestling and tackling people for a full 80 minutes without... (laughs) without having a, some no. sort of fuel on board?
1: <laughs> no, if any of those in our real guys ran at me, I'd be a dead man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're, they're
0: pretty yeah. large. All righty. Now, the topic of today's um, chat, I guess, is really around uh, prevention and recovering from injury. So it's a massive question that I get asked all the time, and I am not an expert in this area by any means, which is why I love that we have you on the podcast today. So let's start by chatting about injury prevention. So the first question I get asked a lot about is eating enough and the importance of eating for injury prevention. Can you let our listeners know a little bit about that? Because there are a lot of athletes who do um, or who may undereat for the amount of training or fueling that they're doing and potentially be those people that just keep getting re-injured and re-injured.
1: Yeah. uh, Injury prevention from a nutrition point of view, I mean, it'll have an impact on some injuries, but obviously not all of them. So Mm -hmm. um, if you're playing soccer and you get tripped and, and break your arm, there's not a lot nutrition can do to prevent those sorts of things. I guess nutrition has its uh, biggest impact on energy availability. So making sure that those sports that are very long, long distance or um, body image sensitive or performed indoors, um, or where people are trying to keep their power to weight ratio in check. So there's a, a high importance of keeping their body weight in check. Potentially they fall into a trap of not necessarily eating enough total energy for their athletic needs. And that starts to influence, um, things like obviously fatigue, um, stores in potentially, you know, iron and calcium and those sort of potential deficiencies means that the body isn't necessarily able to repair in between sessions. Um, and, and maybe their bones become a little more likely for stress fractures and those sorts of things because they're not getting enough nutrients to, in general but also, you know, that in that process might not be getting enough calcium, um, iron, those sorts of things.
0: Mm-hmm. So would you say it's more um, a long-term thing, it happens more chronically rather than you just don't underfuel for one session and, and, you know, pull up a bit more sore or injured or that sort of thing or it, it play, it's important in both aspects?
1: I guess long term wise, you you do need to make sure that you adjust your nutrition for certain time points in your training schedule. So most triathletes will go through a block where they um, they do they do a building block, and it gets you know their long run on a Saturday gets longer, or their long cycle is gradually going up. So they need to make sure that they're increasing their their total amount of um, calories for that. Um, so. That's the long term. I guess short term, I I don't know that the science is specifically said this. But if you're waking up and you're not recovered and you're tired in the morning and you haven't had anything to eat or drink and you're going out and you're performing in um, intense movements or high in um, lots of movements that require concentration in my experience um, it's important for those people to who are doing those sorts of things to maybe get up a little bit earlier make sure that they're they're hydrated make sure that they've had um, some form of uh, something to eat and and generally that's going to be a fairly easy to digest carbohydrate so when they get to their crossfit gym in the morning or their um, track session or their um, weightlifting session which requires a lot of um, Muscular effort, but also central nervous system activation and um, telling um, the brain and the muscles and those things connecting. I think that in those circumstances, that's where getting the nutrition right can influence in an acute setting on how well you go. And if you're fatigued or not concentrating very well, you know, fifty to seventy-five minutes into a session, potentially that's where you'll you start to get a little bit lazy or your your running style changes or Um, you're not concentrating um, and you don't activate certain muscles when you're lifting. So if that makes sense, I think that that's probably more the acute effect.
0: Mm, Definitely, yeah. Um, Now, in terms of injury prevention, any, uh, I guess, top tips from a sports dietitian in terms of trying to help prevent injuries?
1: I guess it's a combination of those two things. Um, If someone is feeling tired, if they don't wake up feeling rested, if they don't feel like they're recovering well, between sessions, if they're not seeing improvements either in their strength or their times, I think any of those are sort of um, red flags to go and maybe chat to a sports dietitian just to make sure, hey, look, this is my scenario. Things aren't um, going the way I would expect. What can I do from a nutrition point of view to make sure? And then, you know, from an injury prevention point of view, I guess it's a combination of both those things we talked about, so chatting to them around Okay, if you're training in the morning, here's what you need to eat and drink. Um, if you're training again that afternoon, here's what we need to try and do between those sessions so that when you start the second session of the day, your ego, your brain's working, your muscles are, are fueled up. Um, and then the big picture stuff across, let's say, a six-month season or an eight-month season, making sure that the diet is, um, there is enough food coming in but also the quality is there so that the the nutrients are there. So we're you know the micronutrients um you know your b vitamins um iron calcium uh, those sorts of um more critical micronutrients and all the antioxidants that you get from um fruits and veggies
0: great so yeah nutrition is super important isn't it
1: well yes i I think so (laughs) (laughs) we
0: might be a little bit biased (laughs) now what if somebody is already injured and we're talking the type of injury where you know you didn't um get tripped up and break your arm that sort of thing it's more that um you know, niggling muscle sort of thing, or you've you've done your hammy or something like that. Um, what are your top tips in terms of speeding up the recovery process for injury?
1: From a nutrition point of view, the injuries that we can probably most impact, or that we know about at the moment, are really stress fracture type of injuries, and also mm-hmm. joint slash tendon related injuries. So, muscle. Strains probably aren't as impacted by nutrition. Obviously, I think all athletes should eat a high-quality diet, but muscle injuries, um, the muscle has a good blood flow and a good good access to nutrients. So by following your your physio's um, rehab, that's the best thing you can do from like a muscle strain. Um, mm-hmm. But when it comes to things like tendons, that's where we're starting to learn a little bit more around um, Potential supplements that we can use to help speed up their recovery. So, the the biggest one I guess um, people are more familiar with now is that collagen or gelatin um, priming or or preloading, whereby the athletes will have around 15 to 20, 25 grams of of collagen about an hour before they go and do their exercise or their rehab exercise. And we've shown that the specific uh, amino acids in that particular product get absorbed by the tendons in the first 10 minutes of exercise and that can help the tendon heal a little bit faster. Um, there's also some suggestion that using that kind of um, collagen or gelatin product might help with um, joint cartilage and maybe can be used as a prophylactic or a preventative effect across a across season if, if the athlete has access to a safe source of, of that particular product. If we're talking about repeated stress injuries, we just need to make sure and do a big thorough assessment of that individual, understand how much energy they're burning through their normal living but also their, their exercise. So, you know, rowers or, or dancers, um, these sorts, or gymnasts, these sorts of fields are, are a little bit more likely to get those stress fractures. So we just need to make sure that they're getting all the, the, the energy they need from food. And then looking at um, those micronutrients that I spoke before, but obviously calcium is one of those um, that we know a little bit more about its impact.
0: And when you're talking about stress um, does it sort of come into play um, like red syndrome as well, like under eating um, and not sort of getting enough fuel on board to support that activity level? Would you say those sort of things go hand in hand or am I stretching a little bit?
1: No, no, that's, a, that's absolutely what, what I'm talking about when I talk about the total energy availability. So. Typically, there are two ways that that can occur. One is that um, the athlete has a, an increase in training output and doesn't um, increase their energy intake from food, and that might be something that they're not aware of and it kind of just happens over time. Um, the other one is that maybe they're a little bit too focused on um, their body shape or making weight and therefore over-restricting and therefore their body isn't getting enough of the, the total energy from its food. So there are the two ways that you can fall into that Redis um, low energy availability area.
0: Mm-hmm. And would you like to explain to our listeners a little bit more around Redis and maybe some of like the red flags in terms of if somebody is doing a, a huge load of training or really has stepped up um- their intensity or really pulled back on their nutrition, what some of those red flags might be um, to be able to go and make a consult with a sports dietitian if they feel they need to.
1: Yeah, so I guess some of the the things to look out for, the, a couple I've sort of mentioned, but that would be like constantly tired, um, constantly, you know, muscle soreness, um, never feel like they're recovered well, um, maybe some, you know, poor sleep uh, for females. Um, changes in menstrual cycle is um, once that sort of natural monthly menstrual cycle starts to to disappear or be, um, there are a number of wo- uh, months without it occurring that's that's a big red flag. So there is that sort of body's natural feedback to be like, hey, we're not really getting enough um, total energy in here. There's we we can't sustain life, so we, we're not going to you know do this anymore. Um, so that's a, a big one for females. Uh, males obviously don't have that immediate feedback, but those sort of stress injuries um, and not getting better. So if you've got a good training program and you're eating well, and it's and your training program is progressively overloaded, then typically you should start to see improvements in your strength, in your speed, um, and, and and be getting better. But if you're doing, you know, this doing all of all of that and you're not getting any better. There are a number of factors that could be involved, mm-hmm. but you would want to make sure that nutrition isn't one of those. So, that would be a, another time to, to reach out to an accredited sports dietitian.
0: Sure. And just for our listeners at home who may not be familiar with REDS, it is Relative Energy Deficiency Syndrome, isn't it?
1: Yes. R E D S. Yeah. So, yeah, it just basically means not enough energy coming from food and drink to meet the body's needs for just normal living. Plus, um, what they're doing from an exercise point of view,
0: mm. and it can actually happen in males and both females as well. I remember, typically, or years ago, it was um, it was named the female athlete triad syndrome, wasn't it? Because we sort of thought it was just sort of females who um, would suffer from the you know the triad of in the syndrome as well. But it's definitely males and females um, that this can affect, isn't it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I think that that was a really um, good change in, in in the phrasing and and helped. To increase the awareness across the range of, of all athletes um, you know with more I guess evidence of body image issues and challenges in the male population um, being shown in research then you know these are, are areas that are also going to affect males and you know elite sport is um, pretty damn cutthroat so when uh, you know cyclists or, or triathletes or runners feel that being lighter is going to make them faster then you're sort of toying with danger a little bit and and that's where it can potentially go a little bit further than is healthy
0: great so really important for anyone listening at home if you feel like you have um any of the signs or symptoms that andrew was talking about to um at least link in with your sports dietitian or at the very least just head to your gp um and just have a chat with them about what what is going on and they can sort of make that call whether or not to refer you as well now, Andrew, you mentioned one or two supplements in there, um, collagen and gelatin and things like that. Now, I know I've read a little bit of research in terms of um, ACL rehab. Um, is that another um, type of, I guess, condition that can really be helped via supplementation in terms of recovery and rehab?
1: Absolutely. So similar to the, the tendon research um, and rec- mm-hmm. coming back from tendon injuries, those ligaments are uh, another um, structure that has that sort of impact as well so you know tendons ligaments and cartilage are all white in color because they don't have that good blood flow so they need to get their nutrients um, from the surrounding fluid and and um, ligaments are uh, one of those structures that fall into that category if you're coming back from an ACL injury then let's say you're you play you know netball and you you play uh competitively and you play a summer and a winter season if you're unfortunate enough to have an acl then you might find that quite a challenging time um not being able to do the the exercise that you normally do not being able to go for runs as a stress management tool so people can find that really challenging and they can sometimes go either way with either under eating and not giving their body the the nutrients they need to, to heal because the healing process itself does take uh, the does require energy, or um, they don't necessarily adjust things as they should for a large decrease in energy output from exercise. So again, that can be a very stressful time for, for people, and that's why I think. Um, you know, you've obviously got your your sessions with your physio, but checking in with a dietitian to put your mind at ease um, and and have it, someone there in your corner, so to speak, or on your team to help you through that um, can be invaluable. Um, and making sure that your nutrition timing throughout the day is adequate enough to help you maintain your muscle mass as well. So, be, you know, when if I was to injure or someone's to injure their ACL on their right knee. They're likely to have that in a knee brace. Um, and w- what we're trying to do is reduce the amount of muscle wastage in that, in that right leg, whether that be the, you know, the quads, or the calf, that sort of thing, because they're not able to use it and, um, like they normally would.
0: Mm. And I'm sure that um, people have experienced this in the past where maybe as a, a child or young adult, they've broken their arm or their leg, and then the calf finally comes off after weeks and weeks and weeks, and one muscle is significantly you know, less than the other muscle in the other arm or the other leg.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think yeah, everyone would have either had that happen or seen one of their friends um, <laughs> as well, where that where that's occurred. So that's a really good visual feedback of um, if you don't use it, you lose it. Um, and that's just how our body works in regards um, to, to growing and maintaining muscle.
0: Mm. Any other top tips, I guess, if somebody is already injured in terms of maintaining muscle mass or a lot of um, people in particular who do quite a high level of exercise who may um, find themselves out with an injury for a prolonged period of time would put on um, you know quite a bit of fat gain and lose quite a bit of their muscle mass during that time that they're injured. So any tips that you've got, um, I guess, just off the top of your head to try and prevent those two things from happening to avoid too much unwanted fat gain and maintain some of that I guess hardened muscle mass that they've built?
1: Yeah from maintaining the muscle mass we need to make sure that the total amount of energy coming in from food is sufficient and we don't have that drop too much. I think working with your physio to try and do any sort of movement that you can whether that be you know if it's your right leg you can do left leg leg press there's that uh it's not my area of expertise but there's that crossover is if you're doing if you've injured your left shoulder and you're doing stuff on your with your right shoulder then your left shoulder potentially heals faster because of the the brain talking to the muscles um i have got a little bit sidetracked there but um yeah so having i guess starting with protein so to maintain our body's muscle mass, we want to try and make sure that protein is coming in about every sort of three to four hours in enough that tells our body, hey, we've got this protein, we can go and help um, restore store the muscle because the protein gets broken down into amino acids, which then go and help um, build, the, build the muscle that we have. And then using, I guess, fiber and protein to help keep us full so that we're not hungry all the time because if we go from doing lots every day to just sitting around there's lots more time to think about food and think about how hungry someone might feel so coming up with strategies around foods that they enjoy to keep them full for a long period of time Um, and that's where you know fiber and, and veggies and salads and those sorts of things that do take up space in the gut but don't have as many calories can be really useful
0: Mm, definitely all right well i would love to um, bring you back and have a really good chat around supplementation pre and post workout nutrition and any other tips for fueling um, the everyday athlete so what we might do is bring you back for a second podcast um, and even see if we can um, just talk a little bit more around and nut out nutrition in terms of injury prevention management and recovery as well from training sessions so thank you so much for joining us today it's been a really great chat and i hope our listeners at home um, got heaps and heaps of tips out of um, today's discussion Thanks again. Now, where can our listeners reach out to you, find you? Do you offer um, online consultations at all?
1: Yeah, so I do clinic work and as part of that, we um, I do offer online or phone consults. Um, so I guess an email, um, getting in touch would be great. Uh, I've got a website, which mm-hmm. is uh, andrewhalldietitian.com. I can't remember if it's .au off the top of my head. Actually, I'm not in there a lot, but... Um, and andrew underscore hall underscore dietitian is my instagram handle so you can Mm -hmm. find both of those on my website um and my email is on there as well so that would probably be the best way to to reach out and um yeah start helping you with your sporting nutrition endeavors
0: sounds great and I will make sure that I link your website and your Instagram handles in the show notes as well so guys head on over there make sure you go and give Andrew a follow on social media as well and go check out his website if you're interested in having a one-on-one consultation with Andrew as well thank you so much for joining us today and um we will um we'll catch everybody in the very next podcast
1: legend thanks Leanne